It's Picture Lock on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous award-winning show. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find all the back episodes and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. First off, you are listening to a Mike S. beat. And it's dope. (laughs) So So hit him up for your music production needs, as I say at the end of all of my episodes. Speaking of dope, I was honored to be featured in WTOP's Black History Month, highlighting of black men and women doing groundbreaking work to better the community. Shout out to Rob Woodfork and Jason Fraley. I'll have the article in the show notes for this week, but I'm glad that my work with this show and the DC Black Film Festival is making a difference in the community, both locally and at large, and I really appreciated that acknowledgement. So you can check out that article or listen to the audio interview if you get a chance. Again, I'll have it linked in the show notes. Today, I talk with co-director and editor of the documentary, The Commons, Suki Holly. The documentary covers students of color at UNC Chapel Hill as they take to the area known as the Commons to demand that a Jim Crow era Confederate statue be removed. I also talk with the director of South by Southwest film, Janet Pearson. Janet and I talk about what you can expect to see at this year's film festival and how best to navigate it. Now, I don't know if you heard, but South by Southwest is going to be doing the world premiere of Us. I definitely want to see that film, so you don't want to miss this interview. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock. Uh, my name is KJ. My and- my daddy's show, Picture Lock. You're tuned into Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and in the documentary, The Commons, students of color at UNC's flagship campus in Chapel Hill must take to the commons after school leaders disregard their demands that a Jim Crow era Confederate statue be removed. In this public space, the confrontation takes on a life of its own as other members of the community attack their position with the specter of the Charlottesville tragedy hanging thick in the air. The film's lens is resolutely observational, taking in all the action as a neutral observer. I have the co-director, editor of the film, Suki Holly, on the line with me. Suki, welcome to Picture Lock. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Suki, the first question I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Ah, so let's see. When I guess it would have to be when um, somewhere in high school I was invited to a preview screening um, at, a, at a movie theater, and I didn't know what movie it was going to be, and we were going to be asked for our opinion afterwards. And the lights went down, the movie started. It just came at me like a, a demon, and it went, the credit sequence went on and on and on. And it was just like amazing character development and just a film that I had never, uh, I'd just never seen film that way before. And all of a sudden, five minutes later, you know, up pops the title at the end of the credit sequence and it was Raising Arizona. And I was hooked. <laughs> I was like, oh nice. my God, you could tell, you could tell stories this way. This is so weird. I've never seen anything like this. And that's sort of how it all started. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I was definitely going to be like, okay, so what's the name of this amazing film? Yeah, <laughs> great choice. 
So if you could, I know, and it's not—it's not like it was a serious film, you know. It was like a—it's a—it's a total comedy, but it had serious elements, and you know, it had this character development that I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> right, and I think that's—that's that's the great thing about you know knowing when th- this film has something special versus it being formulaic, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So if you could, Sugi, like, how did you get started in the industry? Give us your breaking in story. Um, sure. So let's see. I went to film school, um, or actually I studied film in college, and then I was like, well, I got to move to L.A. because that's where they make movies. Um, so I moved to L.A. and um, got a job early on at, at Roger Corman's studio in Venice, California. Um, it was awesome because it was like this factory of just, uh, conveyor belt film after film. It was this old lumber yard that had rats running around. And, you know, I was in the editing room and there were like five other films being cut all around me. Um, it was basically a tarp, I think. We, we edited inside a tent. Um, and it was just awesome. I was like, this is what, you know, this is like independent movie making. This is what I've always wanted to do. Um, and then eventually I just made my way to New York um, and found some other opportunities, worked on a film, um, a very low-budget independent film. I was the director's assistant, um, and that film was called Party Girl, starring Parker Posey. And uh, in that process, I was just like, oh, you know what? I can do this. It wasn't like some far-off, distant dream anymore. I was like, you know what? I just saw how a movie is made and from the editing room and then now in the production. So... Um, I went on to make a couple features uh, with my husband, Michael Galinsky. Wow, that <laughs> I love! I love getting the backstory, man. It, it <laughs> that that is really awesome, folks. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm talking with the co-director, editor of the film, The Commons, Suki Holly. Um, Suki, you know, I I love how. Uh, you truly studied under, you know, an independent film legend. Um, and, you know, even Parker Posey, like, you're talking, like, really independent cinema, um, but, like, great storytelling. And so that brings us to the commons. If you could, you know, how did this story kind of come across your desk and you and your husband decide, hey, this is what we want to um, shoot a documentary on? Uh, yeah, let's see. So we've been making uh, lots of short uh, protest-type films. Whenever uh, there was anything that was happening around us that was of, of interest, that was in a protest in nature, we were like, we decided we really wanted to document it and not just let these things go to the dustbin of history because, you know, it's either in the media, things either get over-sensationalized or they just completely go underreported or unreported. And we were like, you know, we want to honor these events that are happening around us. And I didn't really know exactly what the outlet would be. We didn't have an intention to make a film out of them. Um, And so we live in Chapel Hill and there were starting to be these protests uh, on campus around this uh, Confederate statue. Um, And it really became important to us to go and document the conversation that was happening in the public space around the conflict. Um, it wasn't our film to make, you know, the, how, it, how it affected the, the students of color. That was the film that they made. And actually there was a, a class at UNC that made that film. But what we were interested in doing was just observing what is happening out in the public around these conflicts. 
um, especially because this happened maybe two weeks after, you know, the Charlottesville tragedy. And um, I guess what we found is what kind of conversation goes on uh, around these conflicts is not very much conversation. <laughs> it's a lot of yelling and it's mm. a lot of, you know, you know, you're the, you know, just demonizing right. the other side. And what we, what we found was that then the police are stuck in the middle and they default to, you know, and this is all in the film, they default to which side is not breaking the rules more. Like which side seems a little mm. more calm mm -hmm. And we're going to be, you know, on that side and really trying to protect that side and, you know, really putting a glaring eye against the crowd that seems more rambunctious. Um, in this case, it was the students of color who definitely had more uh, emotion and more, uh, 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 you know, they just understood history really well. Um, and they could see the roots of all of this in the past. And, and it was really upsetting to them. Um, this all comes out not in a historical fashion, but just as a very much fly on the wall kind of film. Now, I wanted to ask you because, you know, we know as filmmakers, as soon as you hit record, um, this film or product, whatever you, you come out with, is going to have the bend of whoever's behind the camera. Now, I know you say this is a neutral film, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but how did you try to uh, maintain that neutrality in covering uh, the subjects? Yeah, um, it's interesting. We the, the goal is to not, you know, run over and, you know, oh, this this leader over here on of the pro-Confederate flag side is speaking, you know, we're going to run over and, and cover that. Or this leader of the student movement is, is speaking, we're going to go cover that. It was the idea of being there, showing what it feels like emotionally when you just come upon a protest. And, um, it, it, you know, the somehow the camera was always in, in a really good position. And it was by following, being sort of on the outskirts, and, and following the conversations that lead you into the protest, and that's how our camera was was able to stay somewhat neutral. I mean, of course, we definitely, you know, have a bent, and we feel like <laughs> we're on the side, side of the students, you know, and because they're, you know, they just have history on their side, and it's like, well, duh, you guys don't even know what you're talking about on the other side. But it's really interesting when you capture those moments of, like, you know, ignorance or, or just capture those moments of when, you know, a really interesting point is being made when there actually is, you know, the students are called to account for something. Mm, um, mm -hmm. that, that's also a really important thing to document when it happens. Yeah, most definitely. And I do think that it's important that you, you see both sides. Um, and, you know, obviously right now in society and our political times, things are, you know, it's it's really heated and divided. But I, I do appreciate that you and your husband feel um, this responsibility to document uh, for the future. Because, right, if we don't learn from our history, then we're doomed to repeat it. I'm talking with co-director, editor of the film The Common, Suki Holly. Uh, Suki, as we kind of bring this to a close, um, if you could, one, what is the response that you hope you get from this film? And then two, how can people find out more about the film, follow you guys on social media? Yes. <clears throat> so actually, when the film is done, um, it's, it's quite chaotic and somewhat emotional. 
um, to see all of these people with these heated arguments and these, you know, everything happening in front of you. And so what we're hoping is that people will um, be able to feel like they're there, but then also be able to reflect their own version of events uh, for themselves. And so in that sense, it, it is a very much of an observational film a fly on the wall. I can't stress that enough. Um, and so that we don't tell people what to think. And hopefully they will put two and two together, the audience member we trust, um, to be able to decipher what has happened for themselves, even emotionally. Because, you know, I, I think intellectually people pretty much understand what side they're on or what they think about this, these issues. But emotionally, when it's happening right in front of you, that's something different. And that's mm. something that, you know, we don't know what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're hoping to present. And if you want to find out more about the film, you can follow us. Our, our production company is called Rumor, R-U-M-U-R. And uh, right now, it's, uh, you can follow the film on Facebook. Uh, if you look for Rumor on Facebook, that's the best way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Co-director and editor yes. of The Common, Suki Holly. Thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. Thank you for having me. Picture Lock question of the week this week. What film and or who are you rooting for to win an Academy Award this Sunday during the Oscars? Leave me a message 60 seconds or less on the film and or person or people you're rooting for or hope don't win an Academy Award. And I'll play it during next week's show. Call 202-350-1351 and leave a message. You can always let me know on social media or email me at picturelockshow at gmail.com and I'll read your answer on next week's episode, which will actually kind of be cool because we'll see who got it right and who didn't. Eh? Colin. Hi, this is uh, director and cinematographer Stephen Tringali of the documentary Quarter of Four, and I'm on Picture Lock with my good friend Kevin Sampson. The South by Southwest Film Festival will take place this year, March 8th through 16th. The festival celebrates raw innovation and emerging talent from both behind and in front of the camera, featuring provocative dramas, documentaries, comedies, genre standouts, and more. The festival has become known for the high caliber and diversity of films presented and for its smart, enthusiastic audiences. I have the director of South by Southwest Film on the line with me, Janet Pearson, Janet, welcome to Picture Lock. Thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) I'm happy to have you here. And Janet, the first question that I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? I I can't remember a time I wasn't. I started going to films very, very young. I actually remember seeing Lawrence of Arabia at five. My mom grew up going to double features every single Saturday. So I just really, it's kind of always been a thing. Although I have to say that, you know, it was probably in college is when I, kind of immersed and I realized it was became more obsessional. <laughs> I love it. And you have this story where you saw a panel that had like Richard Linklater, uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, who else was it? It's like all the... Soderbergh, Kevin S- Smith. It was, it was funny. It was crazy. It was Soderbergh, Kevin Smith, Richard Linklater, Robert Rodriguez, Mike Judge, George Huang... Who am I forgetting? It was pretty amazing, but yeah, what about it? Oh, yeah. I'm just like, what is, what is that like? I'm like, there's a time when these guys were actually all on a panel together. Like, you probably couldn't swing that these days, but like, what was that like? 
Well, it was great. I mean, at the time, I've been involved with uh, independent film officially since the late 70s. I got out of college in 77, and I immediately started working running Canyon Cinema Co-op in San Francisco, and then in New York by 1981, I was working at the Film Forum in New York, which was a really important movie theater that still exists to this day that was premiering films, and then I met my then my husband then, and we were investors, and she's got to have it, and he was a producer's rep for She's Got to Have It, and so we were, we, it was part of our world. We were this producer's rep for Slacker and for Clerks, and so these were, you know, we when, when I saw that panel, these were filmmakers both we revered, but also we were involved with, you know, um, so it was very exciting. We used to be industry that came down to South by Southwest out of New York, and it was always March, and it was, the weather was great, and it was cheap and chill, and you know, there was incredible talent around, and it was a fun place to visit and be. And we ended up moving here in 2004, and then I joined South by Southwest in 2008 for the 09 Festival. But That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing uh, a little bit of their backstory. Um, and, Janet, if you could, for those that are listening who have either never heard of South by Southwest, which is kind of hard to believe, or, you know, they've heard of it, but they haven't attended can you give like a quick description of the Broad Festival's history and then talk a little bit about South by Southwest film? Well, sure. South by Southwest started in 1987 as a music event. Um, and the idea was the it was spring break and the uh, this is a college town. University of Texas is a big university and people would vacate for spring break and the bars, there were a lot of bars and they were empty. And, and the the founder who had the idea was actually a he refers to himself as a failed music manager, and he wanted to be able to, for the musicians in Austin to understand more about the business. And you have to realize this was pre-internet. People got their information differently, and they thought if they could lure the industry from New York and L.A. and wherever the industry was to Austin, which already had a thriving live music scene, then it would be very beneficial for the artists to learn more how to run their businesses. And that's where it started, and it was immediately successful as an independent music showcase. Um, and then in 1994, the other co-founders were film fanatics, uh, Lewis Black and Nick Barbaro, um, had uh, met at grad school and film grad school and had started the local alternative paper, the Austin Chronicle, and just loved film like crazy. And so it was always in the works. So in 1994, they added a multimedia um, event, which was both a combination of what turned into interactive and film. Um, and they were way ahead of the curve in seeing where life was going. You know, I mean, everything everything we do now is digital, right? So all our work revolves out of that. And it's a it's an environment like none other where you have these. Um, we we're looking at creativity and serving artists through in all the fields through the lens of you know what they need to know and how to help them achieve their goals. Um, and it's it's an environment that's really unlike others because it's film and technology, which covers basically every kind of business and how do we do business these days, engagement and messaging, communication, and kind of everything, really, and then music as well. And it runs over nine days in March, um, and they're overlapping. We have about uh, 26 different tracks in a conference where we take on so many relevant subjects as well as festivals, which include the film festival, music showcases, and other events like a pitch competition for startups. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. My guest is director of South by Southwest Film, Janet Pearson. 
Janet, I appreciate you giving us kind of a broad overview of South by Southwest. Um, and, you know, for me, like it's for some reason, I didn't realize it had such history to it, like that it's been going on for such a long time. Um, if it, it feels as though maybe I, I kind of caught on more once, you know, South by Southwest film kind of started. But I actually had my first time in Austin last uh, year. And uh, talking to everyone about, you know, South by Southwest and when it comes, what does that mean? Everyone says it's a great time, but you guys just take over uh, downtown Austin. Um, so it's definitely going to be the place to be in March. If you could, like, just wet our whistle a little bit. What are some of the highlights that we can expect to see uh, for this year for the festival? Well, there's so many. As a film festival, if we're, we're specifically talking about film here, as a film festival, in the earlier days when it started off, it was kind of, you know, Texas films and um, maybe highlights from Sundance. And then and then in around 2005, it became, it was really a breeding ground for so much of a lot of the film giants working today. There was a very, very indie DIY, what people refer to as a mumblecore movement, and people like Barry Jenkins and Greta Gerwig and the Safdie brothers and Sean Baker and... Uh, Joe Swanberg, the Duplass brothers, a lot of people got a boost early. Um, this is where they actually kind of either got their first exposure or they met their peer group and their inspiration group. And kind of it was a very, very fruitful melting pot for a lot of very, very talented artists that are still working. And it was always narratives and documentaries. And there's always been a more a bit of a populist vein to it because even though we're showing films that are truly indie that are made with just nothing, um, which are kind of our favorites. We also we also don't shy away from uh, studio fare. So, um, you know, last year our opening night was A Quiet Place, a John Krasinski's film, and we also showed Blockers, and we also showed Ready Player One. So this year our opening, so, you know, we, we sort of really scale from big, commercial, successful films, but they still have a filmmaker point of view. That's what we're looking for. Um, absolutely, and then films that are, you know, kind of made for nothing and everything in the middle. Uh, we want to have a, 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 a diversity of emotional response. We have a lot of, we're very, very strong in genre, um, and we, you know, we like both serious and we really like to laugh, and, and we like a lot of different feelings. So this year, I mean, everybody's kind of insanely excited about Jordan Peele's new film, Us, which is opening night, our opening night film. There's a full schedule. There'll be like 13 other films going on at the same time, but there's, you know, everybody is just like insanely excited about Us, as, <laughs> yeah. are, as are we. Right. The minute we heard about it, we're like, we want this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, what's interesting is that uh, Harmony Corinne's got a new film, Beach Bum, which is, you know, terrific. And there's a, uh, there's actually, a, Olivia Wilde has a directorial debut that's really, really hilarious comedy, which is wonderful. We just announced our closing night film, which is Pet Cemetery, uh, this week, which we're excited about that. And we just announced a, we just announced a world premiere of uh, Stuber um, that we'll be showing the work in progress, which stars Kumail Nanjiani and Dave Patista. And it's kind of an action comedy, which is pretty great. Kumail's an Uber driver. And he picks up a cop hot in a trail, and he's got to help him. It's kind of really <laughs> hilarious. That's awesome. We also show uh, we're very strong and episodic. We were the first film festival to create a section specifically de uh, dedicated to episodic world premieres. So that's something that's been going on since 2012 when we premiered Girls and 2014. Um, and this year's no surprise when we're premiering What to Do in the Shadows from Jermaine Clement and Ty. Ta Taika Watiti and uh, Shrill uh, from Amy Bryant and Remy, which is a wonderful new show. Uh, David Makes Man from the O Network and Nosferatu. 
You know, one of the things that I think about uh, for, you know, a big festival like South by Southwest, um, one of the things that can seem intimidating is like, how do you, you know, kind of go about taking a bite out of it? So like, what would you suggest for somebody that's about to come in, how they should set up their schedule in terms of like films that they want to check out? Like, what's the best way to kind of do South by Southwest film? Well, the first our app, we have South by Southwest Go app, which is available now in the app store. So download it. You can look at stuff. There's, you know, all the synopsises are there and stills, and you can favorite the films that you're interested in seeing. The schedule is live. South by Southwest is a badge access event. Uh, badge holders get priority. Film and platinum badges get first in line, and then uh, music and interactive badge holders get to get in line second if there's still room. And after that, we have uh, local Austin attendees can buy wristbands, and we also sell individual tickets space permitting for $15. So, of course, not every show has tickets available, but it's surprising how many do. And it kind of, if you happen to be available and it's 15 minutes beforehand, you can kind of walk up and see. We also have event status boards available on the app, which tell you, they tell you if a film is sold out or there's still room. So you can understand whether you should get in line and line up to kind of take your chance. And we also have a we have a, a, a coupon system where when you line up, you get a card saying, you know you're, you know if you get in or not. So you never have to stand in line not knowing. You kind of like once you're in line, you get a card, you know if you're going to get in. So it's worth it. Um, and there's 13 films going at every hour, at, at every slot pretty much. We start around 11 in the morning. We go through midnight shows. We go the whole nine days. Um, you know, we've, our feeling is we've peer curated everything. So, you know, you should go through the app and, and highlight your top picks but then if, if a film is sold out, like try something nearby, you know, just go, go try something else because <laughs> it's kind of like the surprise element is where a lot of the most fun is. I mean, for us as programmers, we look at everything blind and, and we look at it and the, the kind of the, the excitement when you discover something you weren't expected is so much fun. And we, we experience that as programmers and it's kind of a wonderful thing for the audience to experience as well, to kind of take a chance on something that you haven't heard of, vaguely sounds interesting, and then to realize how good it is is one of the pleasures of being at a, at a festival. Yeah, most definitely. I have to say, like, that's one of the things that I love the most about um, going to film festivals and catching those indie gyms. I just got back from uh, Sunday dance not too long ago and on like my last day I said well, I don't know what this sweetheart movie is but I'm gonna check it out it was a Bloomhouse film a girl that you know is on an island uh, this creature comes so it's kind of like a creature feature it wound up being like one of my favorite you know films of the the festival um, and so the one thing that I was going to comment in terms of South by Southwest film is that like when looking at it because you guys kind of you know Sundance South by Southwest you guys kind of kick off the year for us in, in regard to films and what we can really ex expect to be excited about. Um, and a lot of the films that I've seen, like uh, none of these are really overlapping too much with uh, Sundance. And so my, my, my question is, you know, how do you guys keep things um, so fresh and find some of these films like the I Am Richard Pryor documentary? I'm looking forward to seeing that. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. When you mentioned Sundance, we try to show actually 14 films from the Sundance lineup, and most of them can be found in our Festival Favorites category. So we do we do, do a nod to some of those films as well. Um, and I think what happens is we got we, we have open submissions, 
and we're a very small team, but 2,500 feature filmmakers submitted to us last year and over wow. 5,500 short filmmakers. And we, we're just a dedicated team, and we do it after office hours. We work all day, and then we screen on nights and weekends for about eight months, and we just we, we look at the work. And what happens is we just look at the work, and there's so much good work, there's so much interesting work, but we're looking for work that really knocks us out and surprises us, and that's you know what gets us going. So that's what we do, and we're looking for originality, um, and that's it's it's a long hard process, but we you know it, it's exciting when you see work that you love, and you know the filmmakers are doing all the hard work. We're not, you know, but we just get <laughs> right. to say yes, you know. But it's yeah. a really wonderful thing. It's a really beautiful thing to be able to say, particularly to people early in their career, to kind of be the first person to kind of appreciate what somebody's done, and to be able to tell them how much their film worked. There's nothing like it, you know. It's it's a great it's a great feeling. Yeah, most definitely. And you guys have definitely, uh, you know met or created some of the stars that we know now in regard to filmmakers and, uh, you know, just finding those indie filmmakers um, and giving them the opportunity to showcase their work. So, uh, Janet, if you could, kind of wrapping out here, um, what's the best way for, again, people to, um, you know, purchase tickets or badges and um, also follow you guys on social media? Well, all the information is on the website. So go to sxsw.com, and that's how you can find the information about how to attend and what the badge prices are and how to, how to, how to buy them. Or download the app, uh, which is another great way to follow us. And then we do, have a, you know, we do have Twitter and Instagram and Facebook accounts all at sxsw. And there's a lot of different, there's different information on all of them, both of, across the line in terms of music, film, and interactive and everything that we're doing. And a lot of it's on the, the website as the hub for a lot of our information, the website and the app. Awesome. Director of South by Southwest Film, Janet Pearson, thank you so much for coming on Picture Lot. Uh, happy, happy to, to, uh, to be here and excited for anybody who wants to attend and join us. And what makes it, you know, what we love about our events so much is we have just really think the best audience in the world. And, and talent repeatedly will say that, that they come to South by Southwest because it's an audience like none other. So we <laughs> sort of really appreciate anybody who wants to come and be part of that amazing audience. And it kind of, it's where the films come alive. And it's a, you know, we, we, it's come be part of it. That would be awesome. That's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Suki Holly and Janet Pearson, for coming on the show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcast, so you can catch those unlocked versions of the show, as well as the Picture Lock PR after show. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lock podcast, and I'll come right up. Feel free to leave a five-star review of the show as well in iTunes and on Facebook. You're supporting the filmmakers and guests I have on the show by allowing more people to be exposed to the podcast. It's quick, it's easy, and free, and I really appreciate it. You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Watch back episodes of the TV show at youtube.com slash Picture Lock Show and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. All music is done by Mike S, the producer 13. Make sure you follow him on all things social media at Mike S, the producer, numeral one, numeral three, and hit him up for your music production needs. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and uh, I'm kind of looking forward to the Oscars, but we all know it's a joke anyways. <sighs> So until next time, I hope you stay locked on film.